Security, a Hope Center Harlem motivational podcast. Hey there, Hope Center family. It's me, J.U. Jones, your professor of positivity. I am that person that helps you live life and believe in possible. One post, event, or podcast at a time, and yes, and a thousand more yeses, this right here is worthy. Your motivational podcast brought to you by Hope Center Harlem, a free mental wellness space that offers a host of free therapy and wellness resources. Visit us on the web at www.hopecenterharlem.org. That's hopecenterharlem.org. And guess what? Guess what? We are back with an all-new episode, and I can't wait to start. Are you ready? Because I am. Let's move right now. Students of life in this moment, in this time, and yes, in this space, I am indeed so excited to welcome our esteemed guest for today. He is a Harlem, New York-based photographer. He is a filmmaker. He is a media personality. Students of life, let's go ahead and welcome Ricky Day to Worthy, the podcast. Ricky Day, what's up? How are you, J.U.? I am absolutely amazing. I can't complain whatsoever. Life has been great, but better yet, because this is about you. How are you? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there's a whole, y'all, there's a whole dissertation about not using the word good. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm doing very well. Um, I'm grateful for life. I uh, just got over a little cold, so I'm grateful for health. Um, I had a wonderful end of 2023 with some amazing career achievements and some good stuff with my family and friends. So I, I'm, I'm grateful. I love it. It's giving a whole sermon right now, but we're going to place that there and move <laughs> on. As you already know, Worthy is all about people's lives, whether it's the ebbs and flows that they go through where they hit their bottom, right? Or whether they're getting to their mountaintop. This is all about helping people rather than lecturing people about how to get through moments while remembering that we are not alone. And so before we get into your moment, your story, I would like to go ahead and ask you, Ricky Day, who are you? I love that question. Uh, it seems like an obvious question, so many, but most people identify by their titles and, and, and their occupations. Um, but I would say at my core, I am a teacher who inspires. That is what I do. I happen to do it through fine art and photography and, and media work in terms of including my podcast, Nothing to Lose But Yourself. But I'm a teacher who inspires. I love that. A teacher who inspires. And I love that shameless plug. Make sure you, everyone listening, goes out to listen to Nothing to Lose But Yourself on every streaming platform. But anyway, back to the topic, teacher who inspires. And so that teacher who inspires had a beginning. So was that place Harlem? I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, long story short, uh, my mom went out to L.A. where my uncle was and he tried to send her back. He told her about it and told her to come out there. And then he tried to send her back and they got into a huge argument about that. But anyway, she won, as she typically does, Capricorn mm -hmm. woman that she is. Not only did she move to Los Angeles, what ended up happening is the entire maternal side of my family uh, followed suit. My birth was the impetus for our family moving out to Los Angeles. And that's where I was raised. And I was there until I moved to New York. April 1st, 1999, I arrived in New York and I've been here in Harlem ever since. And I am, it's, I'm definitely a Harlemite, um, but that's, that's just, just a journey, man. So St. Louis to LA to now Harlem, New York. Well, you already know what we say. We do say after seven years, you're one of us. So come on, 1999, it's giving New York. But let's keep going on in this story. So we came to New York. What happened when we got here? 
it was it was a great move uh, because I knew that I needed to to get out of LA. Um, not because I hated LA necessarily, which I wasn't a big fan at the time, but it was really more about in my core something was you know just unsettled. I just needed to get out of it. I didn't feel like home anymore. I didn't feel like I where I needed to be anymore. Um, and so when I got here, um, I spent the first two three months just chilling, uh, and then I started doing a little freelance work here and there and looking for a job and forgetting, of course, that I'd moved out here to stop working in corporate and to start focusing on making music, which I was doing at the time. And then I ended up taking a job. I remember I was doing freelance publicity at this place called Double Exposure, working for Angelo Ellerby, who's one of the most colorful people you're ever going to meet. And I remember coming back in the office from lunch uh, and he's sitting there dragging on his cigarette in the office. And he looks at me and he's like, where were you? And I was like, I was at lunch. And he's like, you took a job, didn't you? And I was like, um, maybe. <laughs> What's it to you? And he was like, didn't you move here to pursue your dreams? Why are you taking a job? I got afraid. You know, I'm, I capitalism had that hold on me. And so I went back to the folks who had just hired me. And I said, you know, I'm so sorry. I know we went through this process, but I didn't move here to take a corporate job. I moved here to do A, B, and C, but I do need to pay rent and whatever. And I'm so sorry. And the woman who had advocated for me and fought for me, Catherine mm-hmm. Sabroff, I'll never forget her. She's a sweetheart. Um, she was like, what? And she, I mean, she was furious. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. And uh, But long story short, about an hour or two later, the president of the company, uh, Drew Greenwald, who's a friend now, he reached out and he's like, listen, I actually have a lot of respect for you and what you what you shared and what you did. But I, we do think that your your experiences and your gifts can can work for us. And uh, so we'd like to work out with you. Yeah, have you thought about consulting? Mm-hmm. And uh, I started consulting for them and consulted for years for them and uh, was director of marketing for Harlem USA, the complex up on 125th Street where Magic Johnson Theater and all those things are. I was the initial person marketing that complex. And we opened yeah. a lot of great stores during the time. So, you know, I got here and I found a job. I, I found uh, my tribe and started building friends and friendships here. And, and that's what happened when I landed. I love that. I love that. So I'm going to jumpstart us real quick because as you came to New York, you worked with a lot of people. So I was just kind of Googling you a little bit. You know, the Googler always gives us a lot of details about people. And so, you know, I came across Interscope Records, Debbie Smith, Emil Wibbleton, Procter & Gamble, Google, Ford Models, and so much more. But I know that in the midst of working with so many people, there's always something that always almost tips us off that mountaintop. So what happened in 2008? Yeah, thank you for uh, setting that up the way you did, man. Um, I have been blessed. I have worked with some amazing folks and my my gifts have made room for me. But um, there was a period there uh, and right at the point where I was starting to have a breakthrough, things went left. But basically in 2008, um, I'm living here on the uh, East Coast and, and my mom's in Vegas with uh, where she had moved because my grandmother had Alzheimer's and she was taking care of my grandmother and uh, she was getting it was getting tough taking care of her alone. So she um, decided to move to Las Vegas where she could, in theory, have some help from my uncle who was living there with his wife and uh, take care of my grandmother as long as she could. Yeah. But at the time, she took a turn and started to decline. My stepfather, who my mom was married to at the time, he started getting sick and he had been a veteran in in the Marines and it turns out he had cancer. And uh, so now he's in great, he's gravely ill. And it was really tough watching her go through that and I'd fly out to help when I could, how I could, but I wasn't necessarily set up uh, financially to be able to do too much of that. So it was really tough times. 
And then out of nowhere, her baby brother, who was my favorite uncle, my closest uh, uncle when I was growing up, because he was very young when I was born. He's only maybe 16 years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, he just woke up one day and, and had an illness and they went to the doctor to figure out what was going on. And next thing you know, he dies oh. before either one of them, then her husband dies, then oh, her no. mother dies, all within six months. My sincerest condolences. That, ooh, sounds like a lot. But then, from my understanding of your story, in the midst of all of these things, all of these deaths, the the world having its own issues as well around you, then something else happened to you. What was that? I got laid off from my um, consulting uh, gig. And so, all of a sudden, I've suffered all this loss. I'm worried about my mom, all the things. And now... I really don't have the resources to to be of any real assistance because now I'm fighting for my own survival. And so what happened in that time period, man, is after a while, I realized that like, okay, I've got this depression that I didn't know I had from the Mm. people that I've lost. That depression is now compounded by the fact that I'm having all this stress from Will I have the money to pay my rent? Do I have the resources to do, you know, buy this or provide that? Um, Then I realized, and this is in hindsight, I realized that even though I have never been a materialistic kind of person, I've never been the one for designer this or designer that, or look how fabulous I am because I live in this place. You can slide into identifying with what you can provide or consume as measures of who you are and your value in the world. Mm. And especially if other people are passively putting that on you, right? Mm -hmm. And I was vulnerable to all those things. And I I just sank into the deepest depression of to this day of my entire life. And I hope the deepest depression that I'll ever experience because it was awful. And I didn't realize or identify it as that at the time, but that's what it was, man. And And let's let's pause a minute because I want to dig into depression and the actual feelings that surround us in those moments. So if there's maybe, say, five to eight words that define what that feeling felt like in that hole, what would those adjectives or words be from that particular moment? So I felt lost. I felt despair. I felt disillusionment and felt a sense of unworthiness. And I, I really just, it was an identity crisis. I was like, who am I? What am I doing here? And why am I here? I can truly only imagine how that felt. Because when, when you mentioned basically a loss of sense of self, being disillusioned, being in despair, all at the same time, what I hear is the wall surrounding. And so my next question for you is, How did we move back to that mountaintop to remember our worth, to remember that we're worthy and to remember that this is just a moment? So as you can imagine, and it's hard to imagine now because people who knew me when I was young and people who know me now, like, oh, you're jovial, you're positive, you're inspiring, you're all the things. Mm -hmm. And I typically am those things at my core. That's typically part of who I am. But in this period, I was the absolute antithesis of that. I remember at some point it got so dark, I literally was uh, experiencing extreme, sustained, and consistent suicide ideation. And at the same time, asking God, why is this life? Is life worth living if this is it? Why are you doing this to me? Why am I alone? Why? You know, all the things. And I remember this one particular day I was sitting on my sofa crying, just bawling. And, you know, by the way, I was in a relationship, I'm same gender loving. I was in a relationship that ended. And I was just, it's just me. Like, oh my God, the world's abandoned me. In any case, I'm just going through it. And a uh, dear friend, Christine, who was a friend I'd worked with like 
20 years earlier at Universal Studios as a tour guide. And we had not talked on any consistent basis for probably that amount of time. So she had no way of knowing that anything was wrong with me, let alone what was wrong. And then out of nowhere, she sends me this message on Facebook. And she's like, I just want to take a moment to let you know that I'm so glad that you're in this world. And I'm really grateful for you. Oh, and it was like, Dig into that. What else happened? I, this this can't be it. What else? What okay. else went down? <laughs> oh, okay, thank you. And you have, as I'm wiping the tears, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that right now. But you know, thank you. And so she writes me back and she says, "I'm so glad you didn't think I was crazy for randomly sharing that. And since you responded, I'm going to share the rest." God says, and then she started answering the questions that I had been asking God in the solitude of my home on my sofa. And I'm slow here and there, but I ain't that dumb. (laughs) And I'm looking at the screen and then I look up at the sky and then I'm looking around the room like, okay. And so I'm joyful about that. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now I want people to understand something that mental health still requires help. You should seek therapy or some kind of assistance or whatever. And it's not like God came and let me know that God was there and that everything was magically fine in that moment. No, 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 anything but. But that was a turning point. That was the beginning in a journey that let me know that I wasn't alone. And in that period, I started to turn back into who I was. And the first thing I became was grateful. Thank you, God. And I made this promise. I looked out my window and I said, you know what, God, to show you how grateful I am, I'm going to go to this church that makes all that noise on Sunday morning and wakes me up after I'm partying all night or whatever. And I'm going to go worship because I need you to know that I'm grateful to you. And the reason that was a big deal is because I hadn't set foot in a church and God knows how long for many reasons, most of them church hurt related. But I said, yeah, God, I'm going to go do that for you. And I went over there, Pastor Mike's sermon. I was like, did God send him an email? That was literally for me. Like, that's exactly what I needed to hear, how I needed to hear it, about what I needed to hear it about. Like, whoa, I went back the next week, same thing. Like, are you, are y'all communicating? What is going on? And then the third week, I was like, I'm tired. I got things, you know, I'm starting to revert a little bit. Like, you know, stuff's still not perfect. I still ain't got no money. I'm still like scrounging up doing this. Shoot, I'll shoot this for rent. You know, all the things. Like, yeah, I'm not going this Sunday, whatever. Man, I woke up. Boom, six o'clock in the morning, just sitting up straight in my bed. Can't go back to say, I'm mad. Oh, okay. I guess you want me to go to church. Dude, by the third or fourth week, I can't remember which one it was, where I got the happy feet, went down the aisle, joined the church. Next thing you know, I'm getting baptized, got baptized on Gay Pride Sunday. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> and, you know, things started to turn around because I'm starting to exist in, in, a, in a community, man. And then, you know, a few months after that, um, long story short, Pastor Mike uh, announced at TNT one day, you know, he's talking about the fact he's running for Congress. And I was like, well, I ain't got nothing else to do. I'm not working. I can volunteer. And I'm thinking I'm going to volunteer and, and, and answer a couple of calls. Yes. And long story short, man, we, you know, what happened is myself and so many others, we volunteered, right? We gave of ourselves and our gifts. We use them in service of someone and something else other than ourselves, right? Mm. And not only did our gifts make room for us, those acts of service 
reconnected me mm-hmm. to who I was on the inside and the mm-hmm. gifts that I have and how good it feels to use the gifts God gave me to serve other people. And not just him in the campaign, but interact with people in the community and build community and serve the community. And it restored me. It, it didn't even restore me. It helped me to find the essence of who I was on the inside and to replace that, you know, consumption and, and, and what can I, what can I consume and what can I provide as my sense of worth, worth to how am I using my gifts to serve other people? Uh, That's what happened. That's what turned the corner for me. And that's what reminded me that I am not only worthy, I am necessary. I love that. Community helped you get back to yourself. And David Spangler said it best when he said some people think they are in community, but they're only in proximity. True community requires commitment and openness. It is a willingness to extend yourself to encounter and know the other. And in that space, in that time for you, persons extended because they did not care about the differences and they looked at you as normal. You have to understand that everything in life, all these moments, the good and the bad, they're all temporary. They're all just moments. Life is a series of moments. They're going to change. Things will not remain the same as they are today. They may be a little better. They may be a little worse. They may be much worse, but they're going to change. But at the end of the day, the thing that's most important and the thing that that Facebook message was, the thing that Pastor Mike and Deacon King and everybody sitting around that table gave to me, the thing that the community that I'm part of uh, gives to me, the thing that I move through life in um, and I give to myself as well as others that I think transforms everything is love. And I don't mean Hollywood romantic notions of love. I mean Love as defined by M. Scott Peck and and Bell Hooks. Showing up and constantly showing love. I love that (laughs) without the lack of a better term. And so onworthy as we continue this wind down process, one thing that we love to do with every single guest is to give them a chance to exclaim in a sentence that they are worthy. So in this moment, Ricky Day, complete the sentence. I am worthy dot dot dot. I am worthy because I am love. Borrowing from Pastor Mike, I am the embodiment of infinite possibility. And I love myself enough to engage in the work that allows me to unearth that possibility, not for the reason of self-enriching, but because I love myself and I love the world so much. I want to use my gifts to serve other people, which then brings me joy. Thank you so, so, so much for sharing today. In the midst of your sharing, I know in my heart of hearts that every student of life will be motivated by your story. From loss to riches, from loss to gain, from loss to regaining self This is the story of showing others that they are not alone. Ricky Day, thank you so much for being here with us today. And we look forward to seeing you again soon right here on Worthy. Thank you. Students of life, it was such an enchanting experience to hear from Ricky Day, who reminded us that faith plus community equals a reconnection to self. Ricky Day, ah, (laughs) so amazing. As we close out today, I must say thank you. Thank you once again for listening to Worthy, a Hope Center Harlem motivational podcast. I am 
J.U. Jones, your professor of positivity, signing out, reminding each of you that you are worthy just because. And yes, I gotta say it. I must say it. I love you. I love each of you for who you are, and I love us for where we're going. Class dismissed. Dismissed.